Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 1st, 2022, and episode number 506. And this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. Yes, we've made it to March. That's crazy. Um, Third month in already to 2022. Where's the time going? I mean, maybe to me. It's flying by because uh, I guess the older you get, the faster time goes. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, that uh, summer away from school seems like it lasts forever. But, uh, yeah, you get older. My goodness. I feel like I'm – it's uh, it's almost August already to me. It's kind of crazy. But, yes, March 1st, 2022, episode 506. And uh, it's kind of uh, – Almost weird to go on the air. I know there's uh, a few shows that I've seen the last few days uh, have said that they're not going to go on as planned due to the uh, the events happening over in the Ukraine. Obviously, that's the biggest news in the world right now with the uh, military invasion in the Ukraine. And uh, obviously, my thoughts are with them and, and their freedom. And it's kind of weird, too, uh, here in the U.S. I mean, I've I've grown up, you know, I'm almost 50 so i've seen a lot um not as much as some people like my 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 father my parents i guess you know what they've seen my father being in vietnam and everything else but um it's kind of weird to see how people are reacting the younger people are freaking out are we going to go to war am i going to have to fight and it's the same old thing uh it's it's kind of sad you know when i was in high school we were uh, invading iraq and we were getting ready to go fight and I was ready to go, ready to sign up. And these people are, uh, it seems like a lot of people are afraid. They don't want to go. They don't want to fight. And I don't know what they're doing. You know, if they're going to make plans to go to Canada, what's, what the deal is. But uh, it's weird. It's like it's not happening here. But uh, it's weird to see the youth. Well, granted, they've never had anything like this. You know, we grew up with all kinds of threats, especially from Russia. You know, dropping the bomb, the old Soviet Union. Um, so yeah, I guess I grew up with that and, you know, the biggest scare that uh, a lot of these young people have is the threat of the Kardashians being canceled. But, uh, anyway, we'll, uh, roll on from there. So I got some interesting news this week, as far as the paranormal is concerned, some weird stuff going on all over the world. It's, uh, like I said, it's starting to happen It's as it's going to ramp up slowly, as we hit uh, March, and March is the big month. March is the time where, uh, especially here in the paranormal, things start to change. Not just in the news, but obviously with conferences, conventions, people getting together. And it's going to be a big year. This is pretty much the, the first year that we're going to have that uh, not a whole lot of cancellations, not a whole lot of uh, events being postponed that I've seen so far. And I think a lot of them are being tentative, at least from what I've seen. Now, I don't have the entire list of the entire world, 
but I've got a good chunk of events that I'm looking at here. And, well, oh boy, i got to update this. Uh, we've got the Midwest Weird Fest taking place uh, this weekend, March 4th through the 6th in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The Ozparacon 2022 Virtual Paranormal Conference, March 11th via Zoom. That's, I, mean, I don't know why we didn't do that before. That's, uh, that's a smart idea. Uh, the Gift of Light Expo here in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, March 12th. Through the 13th, the Rochester Winter Parafest 2022, March 13th and 14th in Rochester, New York. The Oregon Ghost Conference, March 25th and 27th in Seaside, Oregon. Uh, UFO events, we've got the UFO Mega Conference, March 19th through the, uh, well, that can't be right, it's a whole week. March 19th through the 27th in Las Vegas, Nevada. they got a lot of stuff going on with that. Uh, in Cryptozoology. The Oklahoma Bigfoot Symposium 2022, March 12th through the 13th in Stillwell, Oklahoma. And that's your March events. That uh, That's all I have. And there could be a lot more. I don't know. Uh, you tell me. That's where you guys come in. So if you have any information about any event and would like to see it on that list, then uh, believe me, when I say uh, paranewsinsider.com, uh, I get a lot of hits on that website and uh, I would say 98%, if not more, are on that page. And I get a lot of website hits. More website hits on the events page at paranewsinsider.com than pretty much all of my other web pages combined. Uh, it's incredible. So if you want to have that uh, listed on there, that's probably one of the uh, the better pages. I know there's a ton of websites out there that uh, that show all these um but uh, i don't know i seem like a lot of people tell me that you know they measure this too and they see how uh you know many referrals that sites get and uh, i've been told that my site is one of the highest in referrals out there not trying to sell myself but i'm trying to sell myself so uh, if you have any information about any event and would like to have it on there. I don't charge for it. I put them on there for free because I understand what it takes. I've done my own convention a number of years ago, and it's a lot of work, and I've helped people throughout the years put these on uh, as a speaker, as a presenter at these events. Uh, not lately, though, it seems like, but uh, i got to do some work, I suppose. got to publish a book or three to get out there, but it's a lot of work to do those events, so uh, I put put these on there for free because I understand what it takes. And I also understand what it does for these fields. Uh, as long as it's done correctly, it, it does help. It does help. And it's uh, nothing better than networking and hanging out with people with similar interests. And, uh, uh, unfortunately I only do North America. I've had some really cool that I've got fans all over the world. You know, some people offered to gather some for Australia and a few people in the United Kingdom. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm just going to stick. It's hard enough keeping up with the ones here in North America, uh, let alone all of them all over the world. And uh, it's pretty cool to see what's going on in other countries with paranormal conferences conventions. So, again, you can uh, email me, insider, at paranewsinsider.com, or you can contact me through a – there's a contact link uh, contact page on paranewsinsider.com. Of course, also you have Facebook, Twitter, all those standard 
you know, media, social media, media outlets to uh, contact me as well. And with that, we're going to jump into the actual news. Uh, weird to see this. I, I was trying to remember. I didn't have time to go through all the audio, but it's it's weird because I just remember talking about the Goat Man not that long ago, uh, just a few weeks ago. But I, I couldn't remember exactly where I mentioned it. Uh, and of course, the Goat Man. I don't know. Is there going to be a? Are people offended by that? Should we call it Goat People? I don't know. Too late for that. Uh, the Goat Man is a popular urban legend in many parts of the United States, including uh, probably the number one, believe it or not, is in Maryland. Prince George's County in Maryland seems to be the epicenter of Goat Man stories. Uh, also, Kentucky. We've talked about this one uh, in the last few years. Scary enough. Uh, it, Thought to actually have uh, uh, killed people. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot more to those stories. But the Pope Lick Monster in Kentucky, um, unfortunately, has been in the news for uh, people being curious to go out and search for this creature. Uh, Texas also has a, a couple of variations. There's the Old Alton Bridge in Lantana, which is known as the Haunted Goatman Bridge. It's an old uh, Iron Trust bridge. I think that road is shut down at this point. Uh, it's said to be haunted by a half-man, half-goat creature. The Goat Man. Uh, not to mention a 40-minute drive from that historic Iron Trust bridge to the old... Uh, of the old Alton Bridge to the western outskirts of Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, that big metroplex. I pretty much just call it DFW now at this point. It's just one giant city. Uh, to uh, Lake Worth, Texas, home of the Lake Worth Monster. Uh, there are some lesser-known goatmen. I guess you call it goatmen, goat peeps. Um, the Waterford Sheepman of Waterford, Pennsylvania, and the Proctor Valley Monster of Southern California, which is... Uh, I, I kind of included that because... Sometimes it's called, it looks like it described as a half sheep, half goat, half man. Well, that's three halves. Uh, but also described sometimes as a deranged cow, which I think is cooler. You don't get many uh, crazy cow cryptids out there. I think he deserves his own comic book at this point. Uh, some of these stories are said to come from witnesses. However, most we're pretty much formed around campfires. I remember long before I got into this stuff, when I was a kid, um, I remember my cousin trying to scare me with uh, stories of guys with like hooks on hands, you know, and uh, I remember a goat man story as well. So these are pretty popular stories, campfire stories, trying to scare the young kid type of stories. Uh, urban legends, essentially. That have perpetuated over the years. Kind of like the crybaby bridges. Seems like every state, every county um, has a crybaby bridge story. And those kind of evolved from uh, the United Kingdom. Where uh, used to have people, uh, uh, the highwaymen, would demand payment for people crossing bridges, crossing rivers at uh, narrow points. So, of course, the parents would tell their children, 
uh, don't go near the water and would create different stories to scare them away from those bridges. But across the pond in England, getting back to the goat man, uh, there was a recent sighting along A425. They uh, weird names for their roads, but I guess it is what it is. Uh, near the village of Staverton in England, uh, there was a motorist convinced that they saw a living goat man along the side of the road. Uh, so this transcends, this goes beyond the campfire tale, a living, breathing goat man. Uh, the internet post about the incident read, quote, We've been away for a few nights and traveling back quite late. Towards the end of our journey, this was about 2 a.m., we were driving along the A road in a rural area when something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three seconds. It was about the height of a person, maybe six foot or over, but had short, powerful legs and hips, which seemed to move in a circular, fluid fashion. It was not a deer because it stood on two legs. This was in the Midlands and the area's traditional rolling fields and woodland. In this particular spot, there are no houses or buildings. The nearest is over a mile away, unquote. And the uh, motorists actually went back to the location to see if they could find anything uh, there, any kind of evidence, or make any sense of what they saw. Uh, they posted their sighting in hopes that somebody else could help them make sense of what they saw or give an explanation. And of course, when you ask the um, when you ask the internet for help, uh, especially for their opinion, you're going to get it. Uh, everybody on the the internet's got an opinion or four, and a lot of different things rolled in. Uh, some people said uh, a bear, a deer. Uh, even though they said it wasn't a deer, people still recommended that because there are a lot of deer, uh, even a wallaby. Which is kind of like a kangaroo. Uh, I think we can discount the bear uh, at this point because there are no known deer or a known bear living in there. Now, the deer, uh, they do on occasion stand on the rear legs, especially when reaching for vegetation. I see uh, in my backyard all the time. They uh, try to reach our bird feeders and, and stuff uh, and leaves that are a little higher. Uh, but it's doubtful that that's what they saw. Now, what about the wallaby? It's kind of a weird thing to say. Why would you say wallaby? Uh, as for the wallaby, it uh, it's interesting to note. Now, I didn't. I knew there were wallaby uh, in Scotland. I know there's a an island where they've been loose for decades, and they've been uh, living on their own. And every now and again, I don't know how they do this, but they uh, get off the island. And they've been running around Scotland. So there's actually wild wallaby sightings in Scotland. But I wasn't aware of this in England until I was doing some research on this. And there, um, there's been actually 95 confirmed sightings in Britain from 2008 to 2018 with a pretty decent concentration occurring around the area of this sighting, which, again, I was – didn't know that I, you know i know that uh, we, we talk about all the time the the abcs the alien big cats that are seen all throughout uh, the united kingdom 
Uh, but, uh, you know, and I did know about the wallaby in Scotland, uh, but I was not aware that uh, they were seen all over the place. And in the chat room, I'm going to throw a graphic up there, uh, shows the United Kingdom there. And where's wallaby? 95 confirmed. And that's uh, when you use the word confirmed, that's a pretty big deal. That means they were able to identify it, uh, see other sign or information, either photographs or video uh, to confirm that. And uh, Wallaby, uh, as far as it being the explanation for what this person saw, highly unlikely uh, because uh, kangaroo might be the size of a person. Uh, they're pretty scary looking if you've ever um, – I've hung out with kangaroo before. I know it sounds weird, but uh, there's certain places you can go uh, at zoos where you can get pretty close to them. And they're really creepy looking because they look like p- weird looking people. Especially the males, they got those big arms, the big upper body, and uh, those weird legs that they have. And that would explain the circular uh, type motion. But uh, kangaroos, while they're uh, they could they could look six foot tall easily. Uh, a wallaby, on the other hand, uh, they're less than half of that height, and they would uh, not appear to be six foot tall. So probably not a wallaby. But maybe they saw a kangaroo. Who knows? And, uh, of course, all of this depends on the perspective of the witness. Maybe they did see a wallaby that was on the side of the road that was uh, a little higher up than what they expected. You know, maybe it was sitting three foot tall or three foot uh, embankment, making them look six foot tall. And, of course, if you're in the United Kingdom, you're probably not used to seeing these kind of animals loose on the sides of the road. I know if I saw one here driving, it would be a little weird as well. I've seen a lot of strange things driving, uh, but uh, never a wallaby or a kangaroo. But So what was this creature? And will we ever find out? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they seem like they have a lot of issues with wild animals running amok. I, I guess who doesn't? You know, I'm not saying that we don't. We've got a lot of uh, exotic animal issues here in the United States as well. But uh, keep your eyes peeled. If you're out there in the United Kingdom, keep an eye out for those wallaby and whatever else this creature is. The the goat man, apparently. Uh, It's kind of weird to go from, you know, that uh, I'm surprised I didn't say anything about a, a Bigfoot, but... Weird to hear about a goat man out there, but we'll find out. Hopefully, we'll get more information, more sightings, I'm sure, will pop up, and maybe we'll figure out what is jumping around out there in the English countryside. And from the cryptid world, we're going to jump into UFO news, some interesting stuff. Uh, from the UFO arena this week, from uh, last week. Uh, the big news, I would say, uh, I don't know why it's uh, not the biggest news, but it seems like everybody's talking about this. I, I don't really know what this is going to do, but uh, the big news this week that that I've seen uh, several, several outlets talking about this, and, and for days on end I've seen this pile up in all my news. Uh, there's a petition started on change.org 
for the American government to release all unclassified, unidentified aerial phenomena footage to the general public. And of course, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, also known as UAP, is the modern day version of UFO, since you know UFOs are uh, tied closely into aliens, the greens, the grays. The Nordic, uh, you know, all those uh, different types of aliens, you know, they all have their own kind of UFOs that they drive, they fly. So, you know, why not create a new term, you know, and uh, the government, well, they created UFO in the first place anyway. Uh, back in the 1940s, used to be UFOB for uh, Unidentified Flying Object, but uh, so it's their fault. And if they want to change it, they can change it. It's their term. They created it. Uh, anyway, the petition was started by Adam Goldsack, who is from the United Kingdom, back on uh, February 10th. And Goldsack, according to his Twitter bio, is a clinical assistant in neurorehabilitation. That sounds interesting. Uh, he's also a writer, author, researcher, um, uh, let's see, all sorts of stuff here. And uh, he claims to be one of the first UAP activists. I'm not sure that's a thing. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of other people that have been doing this for a while, too. So I don't, I don't know where you get the uh, – I guess one of doesn't mean that he's the first. I mean I could say um, – I could go to the moon in 20 years and say I'm one of the first people on the moon as well. But it wouldn't be the first. Anyway, uh, the petition reads – Quote, the radical transmedium technology of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, is currently being withheld from the American public. The UAPTF DNI preliminary report on UAP found that 143 of 144 cases were classified as unidentified. We request that the new UAP office created by Congress make available all unclassified videos and cases so that civilian science can investigate and better understand this technology, unquote. Uh, so pretty careful wording, it seems like. Nowhere in there are we talking about aliens, UFOs, because uh, sometimes people use that UFO term in there. Uh, since it does you know, conjure up the, the belief of extraterrestrials, uh, you know, intelligent life from other planets, uh, but he's being very careful to use UAP and uh, talk about technology. So, you know, what is what good is this going to do? I, I don't know. Uh, the big problem with this is that probably not all of the 143 prepared purported unsolved cases uh, will actually have a lot of data in the way of video or photographs. Some of these are just statements. I mean, granted, we've seen uh, a few of these videos leaked over the years and and again i've said it before i I don't understand how this information is being leaked with nobody paying the consequence if this is uh data information that's classified and people just blast it all over the internet there's got to be a a paper trail or at least a trail leading to who did that and you would think that the government would step up and uh you know, stop that kind of stuff from happening. But it seems like, you know, there for a while, every couple of weeks, we had a new video. But again, not all of these cases 
will have uh, data like that. Some are just statements, some are just sightings, some are radar tracked, um, some are just uh, even civilian uh, observations. So, you know, we've got uh, people to protect. You've got uh, other our technology that we have to protect in some of these cases or instances that we were doing things. Uh, so there's a little bit of national security. And again, some of this stuff has already been leaked to the public. But we, again, we've seen some of these videos and people claim even in the government that there is no explanation for this. And yet a handful of people sitting behind a computer were easily able to uh, give, uh, in some cases, a small list of explanations that uh, could easily fit to this. Uh, which what these videos were. So really releasing the information doesn't really answer anything anyway. Uh, but to his point uh, for um, civilian science to investigate and better understand, I, I agree with that. And that should be the case. Uh, shouldn't just be sat on. You know, if these cases are able to be released, then why not? You know, we've seen um, sites like Metabunk you know, easily tear apart some of these sightings. You know, why not? Instead of the the government, just those people looking at these. Um, you know, a lot of these unsolved cases could easily be solved by the right people. But again, they're not as mysterious or otherworldly as a lot of people like to make them out to be. And again, the interesting thing that I like about this petition is that it's not geared toward UFOs or extraterrestrials. Just getting that information out there that was contained in that preliminary report on UAPs and uh, wherever that might lead. And the petition is uh, – so when you do a petition on change.org, you can name people or organizations. And this one is uh, geared toward Senators uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Marco Rubio, uh, Martin Heinrich, uh, Mark Warner, and uh, Jean – Eugenie uh, Shaheen, as well as Representative uh, Tim Burchett. Uh, honestly, I'm not a fan of the change.org stuff. Um, I mean, there's some good ones, but there's some ones that are just, to me, it's lazy, I think. I know that sounds bad, uh, but all you're doing is filling out a form on change.org and pushing a button and sitting back. You're not doing any actual work. Uh, other than you know, push maybe pushing it out to news organizations like this one, obviously uh, didn't have a ton of hits on it, uh, but I'm reading about it in a lot of publications. Uh, the story that I first saw it was in Newsweek, and so you would think that it has tons of signatures, uh, but it, it doesn't. It's pretty low on the threshold. Threshold, but um, honestly. Again, I'm not a, a big fan of petitions like this. I think it's the easy way out. Uh, filing Freedom of Information Act paperwork is actually free, contrary to popular belief, but it, it can cost uh, some money if you're uh, doing it correctly and you're really pushing to get more and more information released. And it also takes a lot of time. It also takes a lot of effort. Uh, you got to write to a lot of people and you got to keep track of everything. And that's why a lot of uh, people just don't do it. Very few people invest that time and effort. Um, to me, like change.org, I, I get it. Um, but I think large scale changes is not the um, it's not the focus of this. You used to be able to do this on 
uh, whitehouse.gov. I don't think they do this anymore. I don't think you can do the petitions on whitehouse.gov, uh, but so they all go through change.org. But, you know, there's a lot of smaller things on there that I think are, are worthwhile, you know, smaller uh, fights. Um, but it seems like it's always give information about this or give information about that or justice for so-and-so, and that's pretty much all I see on change.org. Um, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of them. You go through petitions, you even type in UFO, UIP. There's tons of uh, of these petitions surrounding uh, disclosure and information from UFOs, UAPs, and other information regarding unknown objects in our skies. The problem is none of them really have much of a following. I'd have to say, though, this uh, latest effort here uh, has received some generous attention from the media. Uh, but again, uh, let's see. Over the weekend, I had just, uh, well, it hit 3,000 signatures. Let's say it would be less than a week ago, about six days ago. Over the weekend, it was just shy of 3,500. That was a Sunday night. And just before the show, I saw it had 3,612 signatures. That's not a whole lot. Um, it says on there that you need about 5,000 to gain some sort of um, uh, media exposure. But that's not true because obviously this person has been – he's been doing some good work. or Somebody with us has been doing some good work getting this out because, again – um, I saw this on Newsweek. It's also been on MSN.com. It's been on Space.com. Um, and a few other news outlets have picked it up and are, are pretty much copying and pasting it all over the place. So it's, it's going to gain some traction, but we'll see how long it lasts. Is it going to do any good? I don't know. I, I think you're you're still better off investing some cash in the Freedom of Information Act and doing it that way. I'm sure a lot of people would want to get on board once you start getting some good information, if you get anything, um, let's see, there's, uh, gosh, there's all kinds of stuff. Another petition on the platform is uh, about two years old and directed to former President Donald Trump. The FBI, CIA, among others, demands to have them release all, all extraterrestrial information. And uh, that effort came out July 28th, 2020, and it's got a whopping 26 signatures so uh, this one's doing a little bit better 20 3600 but uh yeah we got a long way to go if you want that to do anything uh, we got a question in chat should mufon fold mufon the mutual ufo network um yeah i don't know i don't know what good they're doing what good are they doing they're continuing to take reports. They're continuing to do what they've been doing for 20, 30 some odd years lately, uh, which is really not much, kind of being in the shadows. Uh, if they don't change, if they don't kind of open up, and I don't know why they're not, uh, they're not doing very well of public relations. I don't think uh, since their former uh, former leader was arrested. Um, it seems like they're hiding in the shadows, and I don't know what good they're even doing. They do some good work, don't get me wrong. Uh, some of their cases they do investigate, but uh, investigators on there are, are nowhere near the same. You have some really good ones and some really horrible ones. 
And it seems like despite the training that they offer, uh, they have some phenomenal training, some phenomenal resources for their investigators. I just don't see that translated into their work all the time. And it's rather unfortunate there's a few people, uh, especially one that we're going to talk about here in this next story, uh, that probably by himself he does more work than MUFON does. Um, or has done in the last five years. This guy does probably in a month. And his information's out there to news outlets talking about stuff. Uh, it's all about public relations. It's all about getting out there. If they want to make money, they got to get out there. And uh, unfortunately, MUFON has changed from you know, getting this information out there, uncovering the truth. It's really just a for-profit organization, really, when you break it down. So I don't know what good they're doing. I, I don't know if we should say they need to fold it up. If they're still you know, making money and selling T-shirts, then, then that's great. They're still packing the house with their uh, convention every year. And I know uh, the local ones are, are still getting some uh, input. But, uh, you know, it seems like, and I've seen this with other UFO organizations that uh, I've talked to or seen, they're getting older. And I don't mean just uh, the organization's growing in age, but the people within it are getting a lot older. They're not getting younger people to join these uh, organizations. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of facing that extinction. So I don't know if, if uh, MUFON's going to do something. They need to start looking at you know adapting to change. And getting some younger people involved. Or, yeah, I mean, they're the last of the, uh, there used to be lots of these organizations out there. Uh, but uh, the Condon Committee uh, destroyed this in the 80s. And uh, MUFON was the, the last holdout. You know, New Fork is still around, but they're, you know, it's basically two people. One guy taking reports, the other guy updating on the website. And even, even New Fork is on the uh, you see them a lot more in the news than you see MUFON so you guys gotta get out there you guys gotta do something I don't know maybe I'll run it someday we'll see what happens uh, anyway speaking of UFOs and speaking of uh, research and investigation and getting that information out there a video was taken of an object hovering over the skies of Islamabad in the capital of Pakistan on January 25th and uh, it's got a lot of uh, attention. And I was, uh, when I first saw this, I was uh, afraid it was our, our typical small handful of people that were, you know, that are always trying to get uh, people, you know, kind of persuaded that these are UFOs. I thought it was a fake video. Uh, but then I saw somebody different, somebody new, and wasn't, you know, your typical bunch of. Uh, people who are convinced UFOs are everywhere. Uh, of course, this was uploaded to YouTube on January 26th. Uh, the video only recently began to pick up steam virally with articles coming out on February 23rd. So it just lately started to gain traction. And of course, that is because of the standard uh, troop of people who have picked this up and are trying to profit from it. Um, uh, the object was observed by 33-year-old Arslan Wariak, who filmed the object and took photos from his rooftop that culminated in the video of 13 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, but he uh, had observed the object for almost two hours 
as it as he observed it from again his rooftop it uh, hovered over the city for uh, like i said about 2 hours until dusk hit and when the sun goes down he lost sight of it the object um was triangular in shape but kind of rounded at the same time and was seemingly completely black in color and it's it's kind of funny whenever i see the word baffled i always think i always know something's up so in versions of the story i read it said that experts and authorities were baffled over the, what the object might be but they never list any uh, any expert or any uh, authority uh, i've never i've read a few of these you know, a lot of them are, again, copy and pasted. It seems like that's all journalism is all about anymore. Uh, but I've not seen anywhere where it mentions any of these so-called experts and authorities who are baffled. Um, kind of a side note. Um, but again, uh, Wariak said, quote, This is the longest recorded UFO sighting by a civilian on record. 13 minutes of footage. I saw this when I was landing my drone. It hovered for over two hours at the spot when eventually it got dark and I couldn't see it anymore, unquote. Uh, that coming from his YouTube site. He added more comments speaking with the Times Now as he stated, quote, It was solid black and had no sharp edges. It wasn't reflecting too much light and no lights were emanating from it. I filmed it for over 12 minutes at different times took dozens of pictures and observed it for the best part of two hours, unquote. So, yeah, his video is 13 minutes, uh, but there's a lot of cutaways. Um, so I'm sure it's, it's you know, obviously longer than 13 minutes. And, of course, you know, like I mentioned, in the comments below the video on YouTube, you've, uh, you've got Secure Team 10, Hidden Underbelly, Third Phase of the Moon, UFO Sightings Daily, UFO Watch UK, a lot of other UFO-based YouTube channels jumped on the opportunity to uh, share this video on their channels since, you know, why let anyone else, you know, relish it? So uh, the video, as of Monday, I haven't checked today, uh, had around 185,000 views. Now, some of these other platforms, like Secure Team 10, they're already eclipsing that. Um, so this this video has been probably seen... On a short of a million views at this point, if you add all these other ones up together, um, unfortunately, his original one is no longer really leading the amount of views, which is kind of unfortunate uh, when you think about it. Uh, during the video, Wariak stated that it had been still for a long time, so he ruled out a drone, which is uh, pretty accurate. Um, and he said it's also definitely not a kite, which, you know, why would you say that? And, you know, is there any kind of uh, information behind that? Why, why would you say that if it's uh, with this kite thing? But anyway, we'll revisit that in a second. And not a bird. Not a bird, which, of course, you know, bird's not going to fly. Uh, one spot for two hours. And and he was, uh, when you see the video, he does a really good job. And I've, I've got to tip my hat to him. Uh, the way he filmed this object, uh, he didn't, um, 
I mean, there was a little bit of squirreliness, you know, with his hands because it's pretty far away. Uh, so, of course, um, there's a lot of movement. But overall, he did a good job of zooming in, zooming out, uh, showing some of the uh, area around it. And then going back to the object and keeping it pretty much in view. Uh, so hats off to him. I think he did a good job uh, with that. Yes, I didn't have a picture, but I got one now. I'll throw it in the chat room. Do that really quick. Um, not much to see. It's just kind of a black triangular object. And that's a screen grab from his uh, YouTube video right there. And he, there were times where it kind of moved a little bit in the sky. So you could see the shape kind of move. A surprise nobody said morph. I had a personal idea what I thought it was before I kind of read any more about it. Just kind of watched a video. So if it's not a drone, not a kite, not a bird, what does that leave? It doesn't leave much. Uh, what could the object have been and how can we figure out what it was now that the, uh, the event is over? But the biggest question here is why didn't the object seem to move? Why was it stuck in the same spot in the sky? What would that mean? As far as an explanation, UFOs. So to me, watching the video uh, did not appear to be CGI, didn't appear to be digital effects. Uh, if it was, it wasn't that great. Uh, I agree it wasn't a drone or a bird. Drones, uh, average technology wouldn't be able to be that high for that long of a period of time. I'm sure it was pretty windy at that height. And I don't think a drone would be able to sit still that long. Uh, even with good batteries and technology. Yeah. But uh, a bird, of course, yeah, a bird's not going to sit in the same spot like that. You see uh, plenty of birds in the video as well. He does a good job, as I mentioned, filming this. And he does show uh, birds in a relation. Granted, the birds are way closer to the viewer than what this object is. So this object, to me, is... Uh, bigger than a bird, but it's hard to know how far the object is. And there's really nothing. Uh, when something's in the sky, you have nothing to relate it to. And it could look, you know, different sizes compared to what's in the background. And of course, um, I guess one thing I think of, I was thinking of uh, the moon. So when you see the moon, High in the sky, it doesn't look that big. You see it down close towards trees and, and the uh, horizon. It looks ginormous. Uh, so what could this object be? And I'll be honest, my first thought was it's a kite. It's got to be a kite because it doesn't move. It's got a good shape for a kite. Uh, it's stationary. Kites don't really go too far. Yeah, if you let them uh, kind of move, they're going to move away. Uh, but uh, one would think that you'd see it move. You know, in a diagonal pattern, you know, do people not see kites as much anymore? I mean, I grew up, I used to fly kites all the time. Of course, people used to tell me, go fly a kite. So, of course, I did. Uh, but I'm pretty familiar. Right? You don't see kites as much anymore, I don't think. Um, but it's weird how we dismissed it quickly. Um, so, unfortunately, there's no way to prove what this is unless a video surfaced of uh, maybe a kite being flown in the area on the day in question. So along came Scott Brando, which, uh, you know, I kind of 
alluded to uh, when talking about MUFON. Uh, Scott Brando does a lot of work when it comes to UFO videos, uh, photographs, and even stories. Uh, does a lot of research into these things and brings a lot of factual information to light. And he's uh, known for his channel, UFO of Interest. Uh, if you're not following him on YouTube, uh, you better subscribe. Now, I don't normally say that about a lot of people, but uh, uh, Scott Brando, UFO of Interest. Uh, he's never steered me wrong. You know, reading, reading through his stuff, and watching his videos, he always does a fantastic job. Yeah, he's a little skeptical, but he's... Uh, he does uh, excellent research, and it's not anything that's just thrown together or uh, making assumptions or anything like that. He does uh, fantastic work digging through, doing the actual research. Uh, so he published a story, uh, I should say a video, on February 23rd on his YouTube channel titled Fact Check Mysterious Triangle UFO Spotted Over Islamabad, Pakistan, quote, or uh, I should say question mark. Uh, Brando always does a wonderful job, again, of finding the most likely, if not the exact, solution. Uh, I would put him as a rival to, uh, you know, I talked about Metabunk. Well, he does a fantastic job pretty much on his own. And pretty much this is all he does, is debunk uh, a lot of these videos. He's got a, quite a collection of this stuff, too. So when people try to pull out an old video and relabel it as something new, he's uh, very quick to point out. And pull it out of his archive and prove these things wrong, which is uh, fantastic to do. And one of the first things Brando brought up is uh, something that a lot of people who follow these videos just simply overlook. Um, and this kind of goes back to, uh, who was it, 2008, I believe, the Jerusalem UFO videos. Uh, some of the uh, biggest hoaxed videos of all time and one simple thing that i was jumping up and down about here on the show uh was that 2009 might have been 2009 i was jumping up and down about those videos didn't make sense to me you're talking about a, a large center of people and you're telling me that uh three different independent people only three people saw this three people showed videos and all three of those people were into UFOs. Nobody else saw this. Uh, so yeah, this is the capital city of Pakistan. There were no other pieces of news, no other videos of this object. In a city of over a million people, no one else saw this unusual object floating in the sky in the middle of the day. Well, that is, of course, unless... This was something that was recognizable from other angles. Of course, uh, he seems like he's pretty far away from this zooming in with his, I don't know what he filmed it with. Um, maybe too far away to really recognize or admit what this was. Maybe he made it up in his mind that this is a, not a kite or not a, a drone or not anything else. And it was only a UFO. However... There were plenty of videos posted around that day in Pakistan celebrating the Pakistan Basant Festival 2022. The festival is an annual kite flying festival to celebrate the advent of spring. The celebrations include, obviously, kite flying, 
and flying kites from dawn until dusk, which would explain the time frame. Uh, in his video, Brando shows clips of some of the kites that were being uh, flown, again, from rooftops, very similar to what uh, uh, Wariak was filming from. And some of these videos were from the day that his UFO was, or his, uh, he never really calls it a UFO, but the object was filmed. Uh, many of them were black with the odd triangular shape observed in the video. Uh, to me, that's pretty much slam dunk. Uh, even more interesting is the fact that there were many people gathered on some of these rooftops looking skyward and filming their kites uh, with other kites flying high as well. Now, it can't be proven 100%, obviously. I would have to say that a kite would be the easy explanation for this video. Um, the only issue I saw was the Bassant Festival actually took place 11 days after the purported UFO video. Uh, however, uh, when you dig a little deeper into the Bassant Festival and the kite flying, um, there was a ban on flying kites for a number of years because people were falling off of their roofs. Uh, people were getting electrocuted. Uh, they were using uh, wires and all sorts of things uh, for kite, uh, kite string to get their uh, kites high. And so the government just stepped in and said, look, we're not doing this. Uh, people are getting hurt, people are getting killed, uh, all for a celebration. We're not doing it. But they lifted the ban this year. So, uh, you know, it's obvious to me people were shaking these things down early and often. And again, like I said, I saw some videos that were well before this, at the actual date of the festival. So um, I would say pretty much slam dunk with that but uh, again you never know and uh, we shall see but I, I think that's pretty much yeah but again I think he's probably okay with it but all these other UFO channels have jumped in and they've thrown the word UFO in there where the original video never really says UFO just kind of what is going on up there what is happening and let's see one Last, well, I guess we'll call it eh, maybe the last story. We'll see what kind of time we got. Uh, it's actually in ghost news. Believe it or not, we rarely have a story from the ghost section of our news. But I got to admit, uh, I kind of was reluctant in putting the story in the ghost section. Um, it, it does deal with the death of the human body, but uh, not necessarily with what comes beyond that. So it's, but it does kind of border on the topic of um, I guess you could call near-death experiences so we can go ahead and we'll put it in the ghost section and uh, keep it out of the other news because again I don't we don't really have that much ghost news so why not uh, conducting research on a person who is about to die well that's a little bit of uh, a legal and ethical um, Kind of a, I don't want to call it a nightmare, but not not a good situation, especially in this day and age of medicine. You know, doing research on people who are uh, dying is kind of frowned upon with uh, different people and different organizations. So, uh, you know, I thought about this topic, and I guess at this point, before I go too far, I want to reference, because I'm sure somebody's thinking about it, 
and they're going to bring it up. So I'm going to cut it off at the past before it, it does happen. Uh, I'll reference the now famous experiment that led to the belief that the soul weighs 21 grams. I'm sure you've seen that. There was a, there was a movie called 21 grams. Um, don't watch it. It's horrible. Uh, the experiment conducted by Dr. Duncan McDougall on March 11, 1907, uh, pretty much, if you had to categorize it, you could call it a scientific disaster. Uh, so he attempted to weigh six different people who were uh, near death, uh, people who were suffering, dying, uh, which, again, you couldn't do that nowadays. Couldn't just grab six people who were about to die and, and throw them on a table. Uh, so he was using a scale that required constant adjusting and wasn't completely accurate for this type of experiment. I think it was like plus or minus five grams. And of course, these people, you know, going through the death process, they're not entirely still, which is kind of sad when you think about it. Uh, only his first subject seemed to lose the 21 grams and the rest of the subjects gave different results. Uh, some lost a little bit, then a little bit more, then a little bit more, so on and so forth. Uh, some didn't lose any. So his uh, preconceived notion of how the experiment was supposed to go, he totally believed this anyway. He was trying to prove it, which is not how science works. Uh, this went, especially in, in then publishing this, I think he published it in the uh, ASPR, which is the American Society for Psychical Research uh, Journal, among other journals, uh, but it was blasted by a lot of scientists, including those in psychical research, that uh, stated that this experiment was pretty much as far from scientific as you can get. Uh, but anyway, so don't believe that. When you see about the soul weighs 21 grams, that's it's garbage. This, the experiment was horrible. Uh, in a different experiment, however, with the story that uh, we're talking about, 2016, Researchers were studying the brain activity of an 87-year-old Canadian man who had epilepsy. Uh, they had the patient hooked up to an EEG, uh, electroencephalograph, for those who you know, keep in track. Uh, so the EEG, the encephalo, electroencephalogram, which uh, this detects abnormalities of the electrical activity of the brain. Now, their hope was to discover what was happening in his brain during seizures. And sadly, uh, during these experiments, uh, you know, just laying, laying in there on the table, reading his brain, uh, the man suffered a massive heart attack and died. Um, pretty much uh, massive and sudden heart attack and uh, died during the experiment. Now, this also gave researchers a very rare glance as to what happens to the brain as the body is going through the death process. And I say death process. I've talked about this before. Death is not an event. Death is a process. And it's, it's funny and sad. When you, when you watch these TV shows, I, I see it all the time. Uh, I like those, uh, those firefighter shows. But you see them on police dramas. You see them on all kinds of TV shows where somebody gets stabbed. Um, they get shot, they fall, whatever, and they're laying there and they wait till oh, the loved one comes and they're 
looking at them and they're like, oh yeah, here's the secret or here's, here's my feelings for you. And I'm going to apologize for what I did to uncle Bob or whatever. And then they just, they, uh, they take their last breath and their eyes roll back and their mouth opens slightly and, and they're dead and that's it. It's over. But that's really, unfortunately, not how it usually occurs. Um, so it's a process. So in this case, uh, the heart stopped beating. Uh, the brain was probably not too far behind the organs and also probably a little further behind of that as well. So it's, it's not just a, a sudden quick, you don't just die. Uh, different parts of your body die at different parts. Anyway, in all, they collected 900 seconds worth of data, which is about 15 minutes. I guess that is 15 minutes. Uh, they noted that during the 30 seconds prior to and the 30 seconds just after the man's heart stopped beating, his brain waves were similar to those seen during dreaming. Also, memory recall and meditation. Uh, this activity known as neural oscillations, uh, all the data they collected showed delta, theta, beta, as well as gamma waves. And the team was most interested in the gamma waves because these are the highest frequency of oscillations and are most commonly observed, again, when people are accessing their memory center. So dreaming, uh, memory recall, and, uh, you know, engaging, you know, engaging memories. So this suggestion during this uh, wasn't really a, an experiment, just this data collection uh, during this unfortunate event, uh, suggests that they may have been going through, uh, this gentleman might have been going through uh, a memory recall or what many people who have had near-death experiences call uh, essentially having their life flash before their eyes. So, um, you know, going through all your memories, going through as a child, uh, you know, all of your memories, but I guess, you know, only... Uh, a short period of time, um, a, a minute's worth, and uh, then that was it. But uh, again, this is only one opportunity, one person, so it doesn't make it scientific fact. It doesn't, you know, drill this in as this is definitive proof of this. Uh, but uh, I think through the years, we've seen other stories like this that have also uh, given some credence to this possibility. Of course, we've also seen some frauds with this um uh, sadly uh, what was that kid claimed that he he met god or whatever and he went on a tour and he wrote a book and had a movie and then he came out and said it well i was completely lying uh but you know we've had other instances of this where people recall seeing friends and family and then sometimes they're zapped back so they're you know with modern medical science uh, you know we're able to uh, bring people from the uh closer and closer to uh, pure death than we've ever been able to do. And uh, I think we're starting to see all, all these weird things coming back as far as uh, what people are observing or experiencing. But unfortunately, it's all subjective. We don't, unfortunately don't have a way of plugging into the brain and seeing exactly what's happening. Um, lots of TV shows we've seen with that, though, but that would be cool. To be able to see what people are seeing before they die. But uh, we'll have to wait. But the kind of a cool story, I thought, on seeing your life 
flash before your eyes. And speaking of flash before your eyes, it's been an hour and we're done. And with that, I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight in chat and uh, as well as listening to this as a podcast. I do appreciate uh, anybody and everybody that downloads this. And um, it's very, very happy to see that after 500 plus episodes and long, long time of doing this, people still enjoy the show. And I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it sometimes. But that's okay. Can't make everybody happy. Uh, I enjoy doing it. And despite being uh, kind of sick today, I'm here to bring you the news. But I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com.